This episode is brought to you by Snapple. Want to know another Snapple fact? The first hot air balloon passengers were a sheep, a duck, and a rooster. Ridiculous. Check out Snapple.com to find ridiculously flavored Snapple near you. Conspiracy Unlimited with Richard Serrett. On this episode of Conspiracy Unlimited, the octopus of global control, the staggering corruption and criminal collusion between our governments, the mainstream media, and the multinational corporations. Obama put a guy in charge of the, of science, a guy named John P. Holdren. In 1977, he wrote a book called Eugenics and the Depopulation Agenda. I'm not kidding. These are the points in his book. Number one, women could be forced to abort their pregnancies whenever they wanted to. The population at large could be sterilized by infertility drugs intentionally put into the nation's drinking water and in food. Gee, I wonder if that's happened. Single mothers and teen mothers should have their babies seized from them against their will and given away to to other couples, people who contribute to social deterioration, whatever that means, can be required by law to exercise reproductive responsibility. In other words, they could be compelled to have abortions or be sterilized. This podcast is brought to you by Family Bunker Designs. If you believe things are headed in a scary direction these days, then you'll want to listen to this message. Four years ago, John Hartman, a retired military man and certified disaster and survival expert, created the ultimate solution to keep his family safe from danger. He built a family survival bunker. With the advice of experts, he decided to share what he'd learned and publish the ultimate guide to family bunker construction. His designs are highly affordable, yet your family bunker will be safe, well-hidden, and strong enough to withstand almost any disaster or terrorist attack. These days, with so many threats out there, a safe hideout is essential for security. And right now, when you order the Family Bunker Guide, you'll get three bonus survival guides absolutely free. Don't put it off. Get this life-saving information now. Learn more at clearbroadcast.com. That's clearbroadcast.com. Conspiracy Unlimited with Richard Serres. Pursuing the truth wherever it leads. Exposing evil and corruption and the secret machinations of powerful elites. Revealing the high strangeness beneath the surface of our supposed reality. Coming to you from his studio beneath the stairs. Here's Richard Serrett. Now, I'm not one to believe in coincidences. I, I think everything happens for a reason. So get this. Today, I, uh, I wake up and I throw on a t-shirt. I actually did it in the dark. And it was only after I stepped out into the hallway under a skylight that I realized I'd put on one of my favorites. It's uh, my Spectre t-shirt. You know, Spectre. The, this is the criminal organization in the James Bond movies. Spectre. It's an acronym. It stands for Special Executive for Counterintelligence, Terrorism, Revenge, and Extortion. And the, the symbol, get this, the symbol for this organization is an octopus. Well, how fitting. Because my guest is the author of a book called The Octopus of Global Control. Wow, of all the t-shirts for me to blindly pull out of the wardrobe, I chose that one. You expect me to talk? No, Mr. Bond. I expect you to die. 
Anyway, The Octopus of Global Control is uh, is a controversial nonfiction book, and it details how those in position of power are able to manipulate society for their benefit and why they believe that they're entitled to impose their warped worldview of reality on mankind and how we can break free from their grip. The, uh, the eight tentacles of control uh, that are wrapped around humanity uh, include the military, governmental, covert, physical, financial, media, spiritual, and scientific. And this book uh, tackles topics such as uncovering the deep state, false flag terror events, the media's role in manufacturing wars, the 9-11 deception, the fraud of central banking, our, our broken education system, the use of religion to shape society, uh, the corrupted medical industry, so and so forth. The Octopus of Global Control uh, also includes uh, first-hand observations, quotes from over 500 witnesses and participants that were involved in the most important events in our history. And it's cool because these words add context and help to, to really paint a picture of these historic events by explaining who these people were, what they said, why it matters, and what actually happened. And I'm very pleased to welcome to Conspiracy Unlimited the author of The Octopus of Global Control, Charlie Robinson. Hey, Charlie, how are you? I'm great, Richard. Thanks for having me. The Octopus of Global Control. This is fascinating when I, I mean, the, the octopus is a fascinating creature, but you lay it out so well. Explain to the listeners why, when we're talking about the New World Order, why the octopus is such uh, an appropriate um, analogy. It really is. You've got an animal that is extremely intelligent. By accounts, um, if an octopus has ventured through a cave in the last three years, it remembers it from uh, the feel of it and, and what it saw. It has the ability to change the way it looks. It has the ability to change the color. It has the ability to change the way it actually feels. It has the ability to squirt ink. It's quick. It can blend in. It's perfect. It can rip you to pieces or it can vanish or it can blend in with the scenery. It's actually an, an impressive animal, but it is the perfect analogy for the New World Order. And it's not that I came up with it. There's been plenty of books about it. Um, but really the quote that started all, I think, was from John Francis Highland. He was the mayor of New York City. And it's about three paragraphs wrong, but it's, it's important to read it. So I'm going to read it in its entirety. He said – the real menace of our republic is the invisible government, which, like a giant octopus, sprawls its slimy legs over our cities, states, and nation. To depart from mere generalizations, let me say that at the head of the octopus are the Rockefeller Standard Oil interests and a small group of powerful banking houses generally referred to as the international bankers. The little coterie of powerful international bankers virtually run the United States government for their own selfish purposes. They practically control both parties, write political platforms, make cat's paws of party leaders, use the leading men of private organizations, and resort to every device to place in nomination for high public office only such candidates as will be amenable to the dictates of corrupt big business. These international bankers and Rockefeller Standard Oil interests control the majority of the newspapers and magazines in this country. They use the columns of these papers to club into submission or drive out of office public officials who refuse to do the bidding of the powerful corrupt cliques which compose the invisible government. 
It operates under cover of a self-created screen and seizes our executive officers, legislative bodies, schools, courts, newspapers, and every agency created for the public protection. That was 1922. Right, right. What has changed? Very little. It's insane. Very Very little. So this is not new. They described it as an octopus back then because it's fitting. You know, this is this is a, a very intelligent group of people that have um, that have an agenda, and they'll do what they need to do to make it to put it into play. And this octopus has made its way into popular culture. I mentioned off the uh, the top of the the podcast that just by sheer coincidence, I threw on this T-shirt without thinking, and it happened to be my Spectre. A t-shirt, which is the criminal organization in the James Bond film, Spectre, of course, standing for Special Executive for Counterintelligence, Terrorism, Revenge, and Extortion. Uh, interesting that they they would use the octopus in in that movie as a symbol for the uh, for the criminal organization. Yeah, and there's there. I mean, that's not an accident, of course. The 007 books come out of the MI6, you know, so there was a lot of uh, probably. Uh, uh, programming that was going on there, uh, putting out into the public uh, through those James Bond films. They've done very well, of course, and, and have uh, sort of redefined uh, the spy, made the spy a hero instead of maybe a scumbag that he possibly could have been. Interesting, interesting point. You you begin with a, a quote from the former mayor of, of New York going back almost 100 years, and and the the book is filled uh, with with such quotes, just there's I don't know hundreds of them, hundreds and hundreds. There's, yeah, there's five hundred. So my thinking was this: the, there's these important stories need to be told, and it's and I find it really necessary to hear the words of people that were either there, involved in it, or had a very some sort of uh, some sort of involvement in it, whether directly or indirectly. Um, and some of them are politicians. Some of them are uh, people that are. Uh, Powerful banking interests and things like that. You, but some of them are also comedians. You know, I mean, the great Kirk Bill Carlin, Hicks, the of, great Bill Hicks, the, yeah, the, the great Bill Hicks, and yeah, and 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 I have to give Bill Hicks credit because he says, you know, that all all marketing people should uh, should should kill themselves, and and I laugh every time because I have a marketing degree and I have, happen to agree with him. <laughs> so, all right, Bill, I'm, I know I'm trying to not do any harm with my marketing degree, but I get it. And so, so the the point was that I wanted to have. The voices from a, from the people that were involved is very important. I have my take on it, and that's of course you know in the book. But to hear what the people had to say that were uh, directly involved with it, and then the last part of this puzzle, which I think is really necessary and, and kind of lacking in some of the other books, is you know these topics are serious. These are really heavy duty things, and you can read them or you can study them and get involved in them all day long, and you can really bum yourself out. So I tried as hard as I could to inject a lot of humor in it. Some of it's dark. Well, most of it's dark, um, but you got to make it through the book. You got to have some fun with it. So you know, I took liberties with it, and I, you know, I poked fun at some people that, frankly, I feel needed to be poked fun of. And um, so I made that as as a way to sort of keep you in, you know, keep you in there a little bit, hold you in and, and you, you see, you know, you kind of laugh a little bit. Um, but I think really more than anything, the book is for people that are new to this. Uh, probably the majority of your, of your listeners are, you know, understand this. This is not, this is not news to them, but it might be news to their brother or it might be news to their sister, or they might've ruined another holiday dinner by bringing up nine 11 and everyone goes, <laughs> Oh my God, stop. So let me be the bad guy. Just slip them the book. 
it's funny. It tackles a lot of topics. Not everything will resonate with them, but they might. There might be that one thing that catches their that they go, wait a second, that sounds funny. That shouldn't have happened. That building shouldn't have come down at free falls. You know, there's there's always that one thing that you go, that just doesn't look right or that doesn't sound right to me. And then you know how it goes. It becomes a slippery slope after that. So that's what I try to do. Try to have some fun with it and. Uh, Take these really serious topics and try and make them palatable. Well, you have to laugh, otherwise you'd cry. Number one, <laughs> uh, particularly you know in this arena, it is it, it's uh, it's pretty heady stuff. It's it's depressing at times, and if you don't if you don't learn to laugh, then you will cry. But it is it's this is really the divine comedy that we're talking about. These events that are playing out on the yeah. world stage. Um, now, getting back to some of the quotes, one of them. Sure. You mentioned is from the British Prime Minister Benjamin Disraeli, uh, who is someone who has uh, not even alluded, and he, he was he was point blank about you know the unseen hand that's really controlling uh, and stage managing world events. Uh, Disraeli uh, talked about that. Even I read a quote. I believe I first read it in Jim Mars' book, "Rule by Secrecy." God rest his soul, Jim Mars. Yes, uh, and it was a, great Jim a quote attributed to Vladimir Lenin. Uh, and he, even he apparently was starting to realize that he was a useful fool. He wasn't sure who was sort of above him on the ladder, but he, he said something to the effect, my hands appear to be on the wheel, but I'm not steering this vehicle. I'm paraphrasing, of course. <laughs> That's great. But yeah, I mean, I think that that is uh, one of the things that you, as you as you get into these topics, you start, you start to realize the people that you think are running things are not running things. It does not do them... A service. It, it is not as in their interest to be known. They're behind the scenes because that suits them. They let the um, you know they let the politicians and their ego uh, uh, run uh, give the illusion that they're running the show. But it, but people under, are starting to understand that the politicians that make their way up the ladder only do so because they're controllable. They're controllable because they're corrupted. And in the past, it used to be you were cheating on your wife. Then it was maybe this guy's gay. And now it's become, you know, those are sort of things like, well, okay, whatever. Now it's it's ratcheted up to, um, you've probably got some sort of pedophilia background, and those, because that is the ultimate taboo as it should be. And so you get these guys that sort of climb the ladder, and you start to realize that they're scumbags. And yes, they're in power, and they might be very intelligent. In fact, most of them are, but they're more chameleons than anything. But at their core, they're compromised and and really disturbed and screwed up people. And they're in that position precisely because of that. Because you can, if you're a pedophile and somebody has it on film, whether it actually happened or they staged it to happen, you're controllable. And you're not going <laughs> to forever. You know, that, that's not something you just sort of get let off the hook for. So, you know, I think you're starting to see the, the, the lights come on and sort of the cockroaches heading for the scurrying away as they should and I hope that's what's happening and I don't know if that is necessarily going to ever sort itself out but it certainly looks like we might be moving in that direction I I was thinking though occasionally the owners of the system will actually come out from the shadows and I don't know why they do this from time to time and they'll actually manage they'll run the show in in uh, in in plain daylight I mean I'm thinking for example of um 
the Rockefellers. Um, yes. Was it Winthrop Rockefeller? I think that was the the governor of Arkansas. Um, there was a was it Nelson Rockefeller was. One of them, New York. One of them was uh, senator or governor from West Virginia. They always, with the the exception of New York, they often pick. I don't want to say backwater. That's not fair. But what I mean is these more easy, yeah, easy states. They can run. They can use a lot of money, and they can they can pretty much lock it up. Right. Right. And then I think a case could also be made for uh, Daddy Bush forty one. Um, maybe not the an owner of the system, but certainly upper to middle management, uh, former head of the For CIA, sure. uh, doesn't where, remember where he was on November twenty second, nineteen sixty three. The only person alive that has that has amnesia on that day for some reason. <laughs> Yes, he's at the top of my list. I think if I made a list of scumbags, in fact, I did in the in the sort of in the book. Um, he's at the top of my list. I mean, he is as evil as you get. And I and I understand he his son George W. Bush gets a lot of the the brunt of the criticism, and and rightfully so. He's a complete moron. But the, the but his dad is the real evil uh, man. I mean, the, I mean his George W. Bush's grandfather. Should have been hung for treason because he was dealing with the um, with the Germans during World War Two, and he would only win the 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 bronze medal for worst person in his family. You know, I mean, he was like <laughs> sort of, like, yeah, you only dealt with the Germans, so what? You know, but uh, yeah, that's a bad family. Well, that's a family of, of lunatics. Someone um, should look into this, and maybe it should be me. I'm a great one to delegate, but uh, <laughs> because I believe part of the arrangement with Prescott Bush, because he was he was uh, charged with trading un- with the enemy under the tr- trading with the enemy act, uh, right. that whether there was a plea bargain there, I mean, he was sort of stripped of some of his assets. But I thought part of that arrangement was no Bush was ever to run for public office again. <laughs> yeah, uh, I, I mean, I'm sure that maybe that was part of the arrangement. But as you know, they just sort of make up the rules as they go along supposed to happen or not supposed to happen and they just sort of you know i mean i, I watched al gore fold pretty quickly uh, under that presidency you had that wow you know you fought him for months and months to try and win that and then you went away pretty quickly without much of a fight you know what, what was that arrangement you know right. so i'm sure there's lots of uh lots well, of at least he pretended he pretended to put up a fight <laughs> unlike fellow bonesman john Kerry, who uh, just rolled right over yes yeah and, and it's funny because when they bring up the uh, if you if you watch this video you'll you'll find it I think it was uh, Tim Russert uh, talking to George Bush and he was talking about stolen bones and John Kerry and he said something like well you know if you you know if you if you if you lose this election and George W's answer was really quick he just turned his head and he go oh we're not gonna lose we're not gonna but it was more than just a confidence it was as if he knew well, no we're not we're not gonna lose this. The way he said it made me really believe him. Like, like, oh, listen, we know something you don't know. We're right, not losing right. this election. So, um, well, maybe anyway, the point there felt, was even if he lost and John Kerry won, he still didn't lose. Right. Two right. sides of the same coin. Yeah, and poor Tim Russert happened to bring that up, and then you know miraculously wound up dead a week later. Was um, it that? Was it that soon after? A week later? My yeah. gosh. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Jim, Jim, Jim or, or John Kerry. Watch John Kerry squirm when he asks him that question. Well, uh, well, you know, I, I don't, you know, asking him about the uh, 
it's going, you know, three, three, two, three, two, two, or whatever it was. And he's, well, I don't know anything about that. But what I really want to focus on is the the climate change. You know, he tries to change the subject. He was right. very uncomfortable. Well, I'm going to change the subject just for a moment, Charlie. Uh, but unlike the blathering of John Kerry, this is actually important. Internet security. And experts tell us that we should use a different password for every website. But that could be a nightmare. Imagine trying to keep track of all of those passwords for online shopping and banking and email and other essentials. Uh, plus, Yes, long, complicated passwords are more secure, but they're very hard to remember. Well, finally, there's a great solution. It's called RoboForm. You never need to remember or type a password ever again. Imagine. RoboForm gives you stronger passwords and faster logins, all with a single click. It keeps all your devices in sync. And when you shop online, get this, RoboForm fills in those long address forms with one click. It's available for Windows, Mac, iOS, and Android for personal or business use. And for peace of mind, RoboForm has around-the-clock support. It's one great solution for online security. Learn more at OneGreatSolution.com That's OneGreatSolution.com. The truth goes through three stages. First, it is ridiculed. Then, it is violently opposed. Finally, it is accepted as self-evident. Let me just read that again, what that means. Conspiracy Unlimited with Richard Serrett. Oh, and I almost forgot. Don't forget our weekly contest. We just launched this new contest. All you need to do in order to enter into a weekly draw for a uh, a CD, a collection of my Strange Planet feature, is subscribe to the podcast, Conspiracy Unlimited, if you haven't already done so. And then you need to rate and review the podcast and uh, take a screenshot of that. Email it to me at richardserrett1 at gmail.com. Richardserrett, S-Y-R-E-T-T, the numeral one at gmail.com. And uh, every Friday, I will draw one of the uh, the emails, and that lucky person will receive a, a Strange Planet Volume 1 or Volume 2 CD, and I'll drop that in the post for you. Charlie Robinson, the author of The Octopus of Global Control, is with us. George Carlin has a great quote that you, um, that you mentioned in the book, and that has to do with the, the illusion of choice. Because we were talking about elections. And is it John Kerry or George Bush? Well, it doesn't matter. Both candidates have been approved from, you know, by the owners. And it's like they've bet on both horses. It doesn't matter. This illusion of choice that we have. Do you think that love or hate Trump, maybe this last presidential election cycle, we kind of surprised them up at the top? I wonder. I wonder. But if if the only thing required is that you give money to the candidate and the candidate will do what you want. Why wouldn't you bet on both sides? It's it would be insane if you went to Las Vegas and bet on, you know, you know, bet on the the Patriots and the Seahawks at the same time. You know what I mean? That would be stupid. But you but but if your only intention was to come back and say I bet on the Super Bowl and I won, you would technically win. So if you're Goldman Sachs and you got a hundred million dollars to throw around, you put fifty on one horse and fifty on the other horse. What do you care? At least you finance the winner. Yes, you finance the other guy, but they don't care. That's a write off. So I think that with Donald Trump, I know that people like. I mean, he's a he's a he's a lunatic. 
that ticked. There's no doubt about it. Hillary Clinton was a psychopath or is a psychopath. And and so, I mean, it was a, a lose-lose situation as far as I'm concerned. I don't know that that Trump threw them for that big of a loop. I, I, I mean, I, I'm so convinced that things have been set in motion long in advance that, uh, I mean, maybe he was just a fluke, but I, the from everything I've learned over the years, I just think, you know what? I wouldn't be surprised if it was planned years in advance. I mean, years and years in advance. When you've got Netanyahu, very close friends with Charles Kushner, and you've got you've got the Kushner family and the Trump family connected through marriage. I mean, if that was a long-term plan, it was a hell of a long-term plan. Have the, have the Israelis done things like that before? Absolutely. They're very good at that. So was that set up in advance? Could have been. Could have been a fluke, too. Could have just been luck. But... Um, to have Benjamin Netanyahu spending the night at the Kirshner house when, 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 you know, when the, when the younger one was a kid, that's concerning. You're talking to someone who's kind of a Israel right or wrong guy. I'm a big, I'm a big supporter of the state of Israel and I, and I applaud, you know, the recognition of, of Jerusalem. Uh, you know, it's just reality. It's been the, it's been the capital for 2,500 years, but, um, in terms of, you know, the long-term planning, I'm with you on that. My, and I don't know if we'll diverge on this point or not. My feeling is that they don't always get it right. They, the, the fact that they're in there trying to manipulate and stage manage, I don't think they have everything locked down yet. You know, that window might be closing. Um, right. I, 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 I see actually a glimmer of hope with some of these populist uprisings in places like Poland and Hungary. Uh, now, it could get ugly. But it's kind of a, yeah. a Newton's third law. It's kind of an equal and opposite reaction, and it is things have swung so far, uh, you know, to the to, to one side that now that it's sort of correcting, it's going it could get violent, and that's going to be unfortunate. And, and I hate to hear, I hate to see that, I hate to think about that. But I think I think you might be right. One thing that does make me think that it might have not gone according to plan was that I really do think that in the United States, the plan was to have Hillary Clinton run against Jeb Bush. <laughs> that was a guaranteed yes. disaster. And I think that that was the plan. And that got blown up because, well, Jeb Bush was just unlikable. And Hillary Clinton what has so many skeletons in her closet, it just became sort of unmanageable. And I think the Democrats did themselves a disservice by by sort of saying, eh, whatever, she'll win. Like, they weren't being objective about it. Like, she's not a very well-liked individual. So, so that is one thing that makes me think that maybe the, uh, you know, the last election was a bit up in the air till the end. But in, but in the end, you know, they've still got money. They've still got control. They'll figure it out. They'll sort it out. Even if their guy, you know, if their guy loses, they'll just find a way to, to uh, sweeten the pot for the other person and get on their good side. And, and I hate to see – and I hate to see things like that happening in Europe, and I hope that, that there aren't uprisings because it always ends badly. But like you said, I mean something has to be done. You know, you hope it's done peacefully. That would be the ideal situation. But um, I think we, it, it, one, one thing that I, I'm, I am hopeful about is it's not a new invention, but r- really the internet is opening people's eyes to a lot of things. There is a lot of disinformation out there for sure, and that is to be understood and acknowledged and sort of um, you know accounted for. But um, but this flow of information is unbelievable, and for people to be able to get online and communicate with other people, to research, to find information that's out there. And not have to go to your library when it's you know whatever thirty below. Uh, you, you get the opportunity to um, explore your world a little bit more, and then yet at the same time the downsides is it kind of 
put you in front of your computer all the time, which is maybe not the greatest thing either. So, where is the power center um, these days? Where the these elites? I mean, people say, well, it's you know the American the American government is is evil and so forth. I don't think it. I, I think there are foot soldiers. Uh, in what you know has become known as the deep state, the, the permanent bureaucracy in the United States. But I, I think the people that are pulling the strings have no allegiance. I don't even think we would call them Americans. Oh, no. They're internationalists, as David For Rockefeller sure. fact, referred to himself. To the, exactly. Like I was just going to say, the David Rockefeller quote from his biography or from his autobiography, talking about you know if I have been, my family has been accused of being internationalist. That we are, you know, and if these are the charges, I stand proud. You know that I am. So you might want to, you know, the, the people might want to listen to him. He is saying, I have no allegiance to this country. And that's fine. If, if that's his deal, that's his deal. I get it. He's in, they were, their family's in business. They go about things the wrong way, for sure. But they're in business. They're about exploring new markets. And, you know, I, I get that. But there is a, there is an inter, the internationalist. I think it, the core is in the banking. I think that they have... You know, you've got these three really unusual places in the world. You've got Washington, D.C., the Vatican, and the city of London, not to be confused with London, but the city of London, which is inside London, a very small place. Right, that has They're its own really, police force and, and They so have their forth. own right. police force. They have their own – I mean, there's also a lot of really weird things. They all have obelisks there. They all have very, you know, Freemasonic sort of setups in, in terms of streets, and it's an, it's an unusual place, but they're sort of like – you know, in the United States, we're 50 states plus the District of Columbia. Well, nobody really remembers that, but that is actually where Washington D.C. is. They have their yeah, they have their own set of rules. It's a very unusual thing, and nobody denies it, but they don't promote it either. So, um, I think that has had been set up long time ago to be sort of um, Vatican takes care of the spiritual side. City of London takes care of the banking. Washington, D.C. takes care of the military. I don't know if that was exactly the plan, but it sort of seems to, to, to feel that way. Uh, but I think they might have outgrown that, and they're much bigger than that now. And I think the, 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 the ties that bind them all together run through the banking system. The, and once people understand the fractional reserve banking and they see that it is not just a disaster, but it is intentionally created as a disaster. And then they realize, well, hey, why didn't I ever learn about this in school? Well, you didn't learn about it in school because they don't want you to know about it. Because if you knew about how uh, uh, how screwed up the the mechanism was, you'd want it. You'd want it take. You know, you'd want it something else. Right. Maybe yeah. that's where cryptocurrencies come in. I don't know. That well, it's my my uh, friend Nelson Thal, who was just on the program with me uh, a while ago likes to say the Federal Reserve is about as federal as FedEx. Exactly. And that is something that people to this day don't understand. They don't believe in in the United States. I remember being taught that it was quasi public. It was it was sort of run, you know, it had parts of it were private, parts of it were public, but that's as far as they <laughs> described it. It's not. It's a private bank. It is. It is. It is not there for. Not only is it a private bank, but the Federal Reserve in the United States is majority. Has majority of the ownership is in Europe, European banks. So it's like the, the money in the United States. But the, the Americans are very dumbed down in terms of our knowledge of how the whole money system works and how that works. 
our money is created by the Federal Reserve, a private institution, and then loaned to us at interest. Right. They created out of thin air. They created created out of thin thin air as debt. As debt. It can never be totally repaid because there's not enough, you know, it's like if you go back to the first $100 that's created, you know, I'll create $100. You got to give me 106 back next year for 6% interest. Great. When it comes due, you've got your 100. Where's the six? Well, it doesn't exist. Well, I'll loan you another 100. Okay, great. And so that perpetuates the machine. And then you start to realize the mechanics of it. It can never be repaid. And it is a trap. And, 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 you, and then, you know, someone with half a brain will say, well, why are we borrowing the money? Why don't we just do it ourselves? Isn't that what the treasury is? Yes, that's what the treasury should be mm-hmm. doing. But it got sold out 100 years ago by Woodrow Wilson, and he knew it. He knew it when he was doing it. And then, he, and then afterwards, he confessed to it and just said, I have sold. You know, I've sold this great nation out. But, well, yeah, you did. But don't act like you, like you got fooled on it. You know, this was a – this was a, a um, this was a de- this was devised the, the creature from Jekyll Island. A great book about that. Right, how it was right. done in secret, and, and you know, and, and that was. I mean, what a, what a scam! They have to have just been laughing, going, "I can't believe we pulled. I can't believe we convinced them to do this." But that's what happens when you've got a lot of money and you've got some political influence. Yeah, kind of rush rush through the house during Christmas break, much like Obamacare. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Well, and speaking of Obamacare, I mean, I think one thing that that um, that we have to acknowledge in terms of just insane and then but at the same time, kind of funny, if, if you uh, if you allow yourself to uh, to go down this path is that in, in tra- uh, Obama put a guy in charge of this of science, who, a guy named John P. Holdren. Yes. I don't know if you're familiar. Oh, yes. This He's guy. quite a card, isn't he? This guy is a certified lunatic. In 1977, he wrote a book called Eugenics and the Depopulation Agenda. And I, and I have to just bring this up because people haven't heard about This guy was in charge of Obama's science department. But in 1977, I'm not kidding. These are the points in his book. Number one, women could be forced to abort their pregnancies whenever they wanted to or not. The population at large could be sterilized by infertility drugs intentionally put into the nation's drinking water and in food. Gee, I wonder if that's happened. Mm -hmm. Single mothers and teen mothers should have their babies seized from them against their will and given away to other couples. (laughs) People who contribute to social deterioration, whatever that means, can be required by law to exercise reproductive responsibility. In other words, they could be compelled to have abortions or be sterilized. And then he said he also wanted a transnational planetary regime that should assume control of the global economy and also dictate the most intimate details of Americans' lives, include using an armed international police force. So the guy in charge of the science for the eight years of Obama – I don't know if he was there for all eight years, but he was there for Obama's – part of Obama's eight years – once put it in writing in the 70s that he wants your water sterilized and your food sterilized and he wants you to have forced abortions and then he wants to have an armed international police force i don't know it's it it sounds like he he was the one giving dictation when they carved out on the georgia guidestones yeah (laughs) the georgia guidestones i have described as uh 10 commandments Plus Stonehenge, plus Waffle House, <laughs> they are nuts. And and yeah, so so you know you see these things and you go, oh, you know, John Holdren is is crazy, and, and you, 
you kind of have to laugh at it. I mean, no, obviously there's nothing funny about forced abortions, but when you write that book and then you stand behind it and go, absolutely, I'm, this is my platform. I'm going to run on forced abortions for the next 50 years. That's nuts. And the fact that somebody said, you know what? We need John Holdren to be on your – that's a good idea. Let's have him on your science department. Yeah, the crazy guy that wants to sterilize everyone. Yeah, what could possibly go wrong? Well, so, you see, that's a, a perfect illustration of how uh, a progressivism actually – the progressive movement leads to fascism. And I you know, give certain cre- a, a great deal of credit, obviously, most of the credit to people like Dinesh D'Souza for finally – you know, laying this out there that for so yeah. long people thought that fascism was an extension of right wing ideology, and it's quite the opposite. Progressivism yeah, it sneaks up on you. Yeah, uh, and 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 this this attitude of the science czar, I think it's pernicious, but it is pervasive. I, I think it's so widespread. This whole um, ideology. Uh, is is being taught in the public schools and it's watered down somewhat but the idea that humanity is a cancer that needs Mm -hmm. to be eradicated Um, and you know the the the, um, uh, uh, combined with this sort of pagan worship of mother earth uh, worshiping the creation and and uh, uh, the, how the the planet would be so much better off if if humans weren't around anymore. This is being this is abuse. This is being taught in the public schools. Yeah, and there's something that is that is definitely not being taught in in the public schools. For, for, frankly, the private schools either. And that is, um, and this is sort of a, a sort of a, a fringe belief or a fringe understanding. But it, I feel like it's important. There is organized religion, and that has its place, and some people are into it and some people aren't. I personally, I'm not into it, but there is a suppression of knowledge about it, – it's, it's been a dumbing – first of all, there's been a dumbing down physically through whether it's fluoridation of the water, the food, you know, just poor health, television. There's all these things, and we're all guilty of it. I certainly am. But um, – there's been a physical dumbing up. Then there's also been sort of a repression of, uh, of, of some of these things like, uh, like understanding. I do. I use a lot of quotes from, uh, from Terrence McKenna talking about, you know, he does mushroom or he did, you know, he'd go and do some mushrooms and do ayahuasca. And some people kind of roll their eyes and go, ah, it's like Grateful Dead hippie stuff. It is, to an extent. There's quite a bit of. There's quite a bit to be learned from that. For one, you learn exactly how incredibly small we really are and how amazing, you know, the world is and how confusing and how we don't have it figured out. We might think we do, but there is so much more to this universe and to this world than what we physically see and what we think and what we hear. You know, we're like deaf and blind in this universe. And so that has definitely been taken out and sort of the people that are into that have been marginalized. And I get it because it's kind of funny to make fun of them but there's there is some real value in that there's some real value in in people sort of backing away from this society that we've got and saying you know there's more to this you know there's more I, we can you know there's organ you know there's the jim jones of course go live in the in the woods and you know have a cult and of course that we're not advocating that but um but there's a lot to be learned um it, it, there's a lot that we don't know and uh but i think that it's, it's important when i did mushrooms in college the first time it changed my life it made me and i haven't and i honestly haven't done it since college but it changed my life it made me realize whoa 
this is nuts. There's a lot out there. There's a lot going on. And um, I felt a little bit small, but then I also kind of felt connected to it as well. So it, 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 to me, it was an overwhelmingly great um, experience. And so I put that in the book and I put that in there specifically because um, it's sort of underrepresented in the mainstream. So I wanted right. to give a little bit of, uh, yeah, yeah, well, I, give a little bit of love to it. And I'm also saying be respectful of it, but for sure, this is not like any, it's not like a party scene. This is like, Sure. There's well, major it, power it, there. It, it is a sacrament in, in certain traditions. Uh, you know, I was just thinking as you're talking about that and psilocybin and LSD and and how uh, there's one probably idea that the the CIA wish that they could take back. All of these um, LSD experiments at places like Princeton and Harvard, where they were yeah. trying to. I guess, sort of replicate a lot of what the, the mind control uh, experiments the Nazis were doing and MK Ultra yeah. and so forth, and using sort of microdosing uh, people with CIA, uh, sorry, with LSD, uh, but it became sort of a double-edged sword because they wanted to use it to control, but it ended up, as you say, you know, this whole age of Aquarius and opening up people's minds, and then right. people started, you know, Thing, wait, wait a minute. There's something going on here that's not quite right. I don't think that's what the CIA had intended originally. No, no I think they exactly. They probably they brought it out out their playbook of let's you know let's use this to control people's minds. But but it, it went a little bit off the rails, and so it, it sort of that's an example of something that sort of blends from scientific control. It turns there's kind of a spiritual control. So the way, when I came up with sort of the eight tentacles of the octopus, the ones I chose were military control governmental control, covert control, physical, financial, media, spiritual, and scientific. And some of these sort of blend from one to the other. They're not limited to, to, to one another. But when we get into, you know, we're talking about just plain scientific control of, of the world, there's a guy named Dr. Russell Blaylock. He's a retired uh, U.S. neurosurgeon and an author, and he's great. You'll find mm. – you can find – videos of him on YouTube, but he's, there's a great quote, and I want to read this. He says, we're developing a society because of these different toxins are known to affect brain functions. We're seeing a society that's not only has a lot more people of lower IQ, but a lot fewer people of higher IQ. In other words, a dumbing down, a chemical dumbing down of society so everyone is sort of mediocre. That leaves them dependent on government because they can't excel. We have these people of lower IQ that are totally dependent on government, and then we have this mass of people who are going to believe anything they're told because they can't really think clearly. And then very few people of high IQ who have good cognitive function who can figure this out, and that's what they want. So, you know, you kind of piece it together as to why they're so insistent on spending so many hundreds of millions of dollars of propaganda money to dumb down society. And I heard that, and I went, wow, he nailed it. It's just a sort of big group of sort of blah, and they don't excel, and so they're easy to control. Just a big herd of sheep, sort of. And um, yeah, and they're, I think that they're, that is, the they're being trained important. as they're being trained as serfs for the the new global economy, yeah. where they will stack boxes for cheap Chinese imports. Yeah, yeah, and it's a shame, you and I don't know some- that that's. I don't know if that's a new thing. I think that maybe, you know, you talk, you mentioned serfs. I think maybe you can go back hundreds of years and see that there was there was always sort of that pyramid of, uh, you know, some at the top, most of the people at the bottom. And that's, um, 
it's a shame. I don't know that it has to be that way, though. I think we, I think there's room for the people at the bottom to at least improve their intelligence. My God, they gotta they gotta get stop eating all these crappy GMO foods, and they gotta quit injecting themselves with poisons, and they gotta quit doing a bunch of things if they want to uh, excel. But I mean, I think we might be at a, at a at a breaking point where it's too late. It might be a little bit too late for some people. They're Never too late. Never too late, Charlie. Uh, yeah, I hope the octopus. Uh, of um, sorry, I just lost my uh, my screen here. The octopus of global control. Charlie Robinson is uh, with us. Uh, since we're talking about education, you include again. We should point out the the uh, the octopus of global control is just filled with tremendous quotes, uh, over five hundred quotes, and um, you you visit or revisit uh, the late great George Carlin a number of times. And these, some of these are on YouTube, some of these rants. Yeah. Later in his life, um, he became far less funny and really, really angry. Uh, yeah. He sort of crossed that line, and um, he, he talks a lot about the education system. Just sort of revisit that yeah. with us. Yeah, it, it, well, it's true. He got to the point where he just said, I have, you know, I've got nothing at stake here. You know, I'm just watching the show. You know, he says, if you, when you're born in this world, you get a ticket to the carnival. And when you're in, born in America, you get a front row seat. And it's true. And, and, and he did get a little bit more sort of bitter towards the end. But, God, you listened to his, his, his rantings from 2005. You, and like you said, you can find it on YouTube. He's got the all-black shirt, the black pants. And he's just nailing it. He's so smart. And it's funny. And it's funny because it's true. And you go, oh, that's terrible. Oh, it's terrible, but it's funny because it's really happening. Yeah, funny that you would find like one of the great philosophers of all time would be just like a like an older, angry comedian who just happens to have a really good beat on uh, the way the way things are going. I, I mean, for me, I, I, George Carlin was definitely instrumental in sort of waking me up. He did it in a way that I sort of aspired to kind of be like, which was tell a funny story. Yeah, you know, tell a story that's true, but make it funny, and then people will laugh, but they'll still get the meaning of it. Behind, I think John Stewart does that. You know, has done that really well um, to tell you know a funny, funny story, and you're laughing at it, but and you get it, and and, and it it comes to you as comedy, but it's also news as well. Um, but like to me, the most probably the the most important person in my like awakening was John Perkins. Uh, yes, yes, I yes. was on my way to. 2007, I was on my way to Thailand for a scuba diving trip. Right as I was leaving, my buddy said, take this book. I think you'll like it. Confessions of an Economic Hitman. I read it. It changed my life. I thought I had it figured out. I didn't know anything. I mean, I knew about 9-11, and I had an idea about a lot of things. That was really the missing piece of the puzzle for me. It just explained how the banking industry, not even necessarily the U.S. banking, but the World Bank will put intentionally create infrastructure projects in these third world countries like Ecuador or Honduras or wherever, and they will intentionally put these countries into debt slavery. They'll create a hydroelectric power plant and say, hey, it's going to, you know, it's going to generate electricity. You're going to have all these, these 10,000 villagers will be able to have light. They'll read, they'll learn how to read at night and all these things. Well, they put a lot of money into a couple of different people's pockets and that would grease the wheels and made it happen. But the, 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 the system was rigged to, from the beginning. It was never going to generate enough revenue to cover the debt 
and now they're trapped. Right, and, and so say, they have to oh, sell off their assets at bargain basement uh, prices to all of the uh, the players, the owners. So you get the politicians that say, "Well, I can work with you, but you're going to have to vote our way in this new UN reg, you know, resolution that's coming up." Fine, okay. Then you've got the the other people saying, "Well, you know, you're going to have to sell your lumber industry to, to my buddy's firm over here, and they'll, you know, that'll raise some money and that'll help." So I mean, it was it's crooked and it's dirty. And I remember. I remember being in, in business school at USC, and one of my teachers said, said, by the way, if you guys ever start a company that manufactures a product, and you go to Walmart, and you pitch Walmart on it, and they go, wow, you know, we like that. We'll take 50,000 of them. And you go, oh, my God, I can't believe I got this huge, you know, I got to borrow a million dollars. I'll go get, she said, don't do it. It's a trap. You'll go borrow the money, you'll make the 50,000 widgets, you'll deliver, they'll say, oh, we don't want it. And you'll say, what are you talking about? We have a deal. And they'll say, nah, well, we got lawyers. We'll string you out forever. I'll tell you what, though, we'll take, we'll take it off your hands. I guess we'll help you out. We'll take it off your hands for five cents on the dollar. And she said, remember that and don't ever fall into that trap. And I remember that. And when I read John Perkins' book, I went, oh, that's another aspect of this. I get it. So um, I give him a ton of credit for that. And so as I'm, so I come back from Thailand, I'm reading this book. I'm really involved in it. I'm living in Las Vegas. I'm working in the new home sale industry and I am living the big short. I am in that market and I am watching mortgage fraud on an industrial scale in front of, I am watching it. I'm having my boss say, we're going to do this. We're going to offer this program. We're going to do it this way, this way, this way. I raise my hand and I say, I have a question. Have we cleared this with our legal department? I have a real estate license. I can't have that at stake. I mean, I can't have that risk. It would devastate me. And I'll never forget his word. He said, I'd rather beg for forgiveness than ask for permission. No. <laughs> I went, We're in trouble. We're all going to jail. And, 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 and I, I, for calling attention to that, I was fired. So. There you go. <laughs> well, so as, so I see this. I'm reading John Perkins' book. I'm living the big short. I'm watching this fraud, and I'm and I'm understanding 9/11, and it's all hitting me at the same time. And I'm going, God, is it all just a rigged game? I mean, are we really just stuck? You know, Charlie, <laughs> my favorite quote at, from the book actually is yours, and you, you just mentioned Walmart, and and um, the line is something like talking about the dumbing down of America. We should say North America. Canada's in the same boat. Okay, uh, and I don't want to pile on. We love Canada. I don't want to pile on, but I mean, okay. You said we're, we're basically, we're circumnavigating the local Walmart like Magellan with cankles. Uh, uh, what was it? Um, uh, compression compression socks. socks and an oxygen tank. Oh, yeah. brilliant line. Congra- yeah, <laughs> congratulations. You. Thank you. I just, thank you. Thank you. That was some of my... That was from my many times at Walmart. You know, you fall into that trap. You go, I don't want to go to Walmart. This is bad. And then you go, but it's half the price. I have a real, you know, I, who do I, who's my, you know, who, who do I have to take care of first? My family or the rest of the world? Well, I want to take care of the rest of the world too, but my family comes first. And if it's cheaper, you buy it. And then yeah. you find out, you, you understand how the trap is set. You don't you need to die on I, that hill, though. You don't need to die on that yeah. hill. There are other battles yeah. to be fought. Listen, we have to do this again, Shirley. We're we're, uh, we're going to wind things down here, but uh, I want to have you on again. And there's I so much to. Uh, to get into, obviously. And uh, I really appreciate you spending some time with me. Thank you. My, uh, the, let me just real fast. If you guys are Amazon Kindle Unlimited uh, members, you can go on Amazon. You can read the book for free. 
uh, I get one one millionth of a penny for every page that's read. It's a great deal for me, believe me. Oh, dear. Um, but <laughs> you can buy – it's available as, on a, as a paperback. It's also available as a Kindle. But if you have a Kindle Unlimited, you can read it for free. And Listen. if you're not a member of any, any of those, you can go on there and I think read the first 30 pages uh, for free. If you like it, buy it. If you don't, fine. My listeners are, uh, are capitalists and uh, appreciate the entrepreneurial spirit. So I'm going to encourage them to go out and buy the paperback. You know, well, I'm, a, I'm I'm of that generation. I'm tactile. I I, I need yeah. I need to I need a dog-eared copy on my nightstand. It's thick. I understand that, and I appreciate that. I I I, I did put a lot of effort in the book, and I'm not ashamed to uh, sell it. I feel good about it. I think there's a lot of value in it, especially like I said, if there's somebody in your family that is sort of like uh, doesn't quite understand this and you think it might put them over the edge it might help you've done everything you can they're, they're you're done trying to explain it to them it, it might help it might put them over the edge it certainly won't hurt well for those people that uh, appreciate jim mars and their sort of their entree into this whole arena was ruled by secrecy this is a nice companion piece i think for that the octopus of global control charlie thank you so much thank you so much and as jim mars said It ain't a conspiracy theory if you can prove it. There you go. Thank you. Good night. Thank you. Good night. Well, before I dim the lights in my little studio beneath the stairs, I'm going to give you a heads up on what's coming up on episode 17 of Conspiracy Unlimited. Before we get to that, now that we're nicely into 2018, let me ask you, is weight loss on your wish list? It certainly is on mine. Unfortunately, the commitment to weight loss often fades. Why is that? Many people simply give up in the first 90 days. The key is having the right mindset. Getting thin and staying that way lies in our thought processes, and hypnotherapy can make all the difference. Now, clinical hypnotherapist Dr. Steve G. Jones has created a set of five audio hypnotic sessions that apply the power of hypnosis to reprogram the mind and replace bad habits with vibrant, positive new habits to help you achieve natural and long-lasting weight loss. Weight loss hypnotherapy really works, and it's available now at a special discount. Isn't it time to lose those extra pounds? Check out Weight Loss Hypnotherapy right now at SmartClickSavings.com. That's SmartClickSavings.com. Coming up next time on Conspiracy Unlimited. It was in September 1978 when Rodney Alcala was selected on the dating game as the winner by the pretty bachelorette. Every viewer agreed he was the perfect choice. But behind his handsome face, the successful photographer... Alcala was in the middle of a killing sexual rampage. Alan R. Warren discusses the true story of the game show killer. Until next time, I'm Richard Serrett. So long for now. A new Conspiracy Unlimited with Richard Serrett drops every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at ConspiracyUnlimitedPodcast.com. Blow your mind. That is all for now. Oh, and remember to share and give a five-star review because we have huge egos and need love. We're like cats. We need... We need constant...